I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, March 2, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket? We had a tremendous day in the SPY, S&P 500, ES, NASDAQ, Dow, across the board. It was the relief rally we've been discussing. Just as a little bit of a refresher, last week we were talking about getting into the time zone for a turn in the market. We were looking for a short-term low. We were not looking for a low to make new highs from. We were looking for a bounce a rally, a dead cap bounce, a relief rally, whatever you want to call it. The problem was we couldn't identify the price. The market was in crash mode, but we had the time. So Friday, the market puts in a reversal at the end of the day. In the weekend video, we discussed the fact that we would be looking for either failure or follow through with today's market. Obviously, we got the follow through. Just to put things in perspective... If my calculations are right, the S&P is down over 500 points from peak to low the other day on Friday. So the high happened to be 339 and change. The low was 285. The math says it's about 544 points, give or take. Off the bottom, we're up over 240 points. That, my friends, is the easy money. Not saying there won't be more of a rally, just saying that we said this before the bounce occurred, that before you know it, the S&P is going to be up a couple of hundred handles. Here's a snapshot of the S&P E-mini futures contract. Now look what happened. This trades around the clock for the most part with some exception, but what happened is when they put in the low on Friday, they put in what we love to call a sign or signal of a trend change. They did it at a double bottom. The following day, the futures opened up, which is Sunday night into Monday. They opened up with a gap down. The futures opened up pretty big Sunday night. Everything to the right of the vertical line is today's activity beginning at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. There's a couple of different closing prices that occur with the futures. Here is the 4 o'clock close the 4.15 close, and then this happens to be a 5 o'clock close all the way up, closing price 29.88. Where did we open Sunday evening? Opening price 2,900 on the button. It's a rodeo. So what did that do? Here's back to the daily chart, and what we see is the low at 28.89 and a quarter, so we went below the 2,900, big fat round number, And then they took off to the upside as it stands by looking at the daily chart. But what this was was a classic retrace of a tail candle. See you later. They took off to the upside. They never make it easy. Here's an hourly chart of the SPY. So you can see where we opened today. Here's the first hourly candle of the day. And we hovered for a couple of hours on 297 or in and around 297.91. We've been eyeballing this number. So the other day on Thursday, they rushed down at the end of the day, kill them into the close, close right below that number, kill them into the next day's opening price, run back up. We had that 
phony shenanigan print that didn't exist on Friday. Inside the Numbers had a handle on that. And that fake print, phony print, went right up to two pennies short of 297.91. Once they got going, the rest was history. They were bullish today. They remained bullish. They gave a couple of fits and starts. Here's a 15-minute intraday chart. But as long as they remained above 297.91, they were okay, which also represents what? Another breakout area. So the market runs up makes a bull flag pattern, breaks out to the upside, comes back in, doesn't quite go all the way to test that same area. It was a general area. That was a number that I came up with, but then all of a sudden the market started to respect that number, so we started to focus in on that number over the last couple or three days. And then as you can see, we had the end of the day ramp right into the closing bell. Nice little bout of short covering. And when the shorts run for cover, the panic buying ensues. Here's a five-minute chart, and you can see what happens into the end of the day. We had a relentless run to the upside. Once they broke over the highs made earlier in the day, it was a 50-60 S&P handle run into the close. Pretty tremendous rally. We were looking for some kind of a short-term low. There it was. Here's a $64,000 question. Where's she going? What's the next major resistance point or overhead resistance in the northern direction? We'll come back to that. Inside the numbers, let's get a glance at the roadmap or tour guide for the day. We know we're still going to get wide swings in both directions, but for the most part, we had a pretty good beat on the market from the get-go. I'm going to scroll up and I'm going to point out a couple of things. You can read the pre-market notes on your own. There's just a handful of things I want to point out as the day gets moving along. How about stocks on the move? We did have some success again today with stocks on the move. We'll focus on American Airlines and United Airlines, the first two on the list. You can even see percentage from entry, third column from the right. You can see nice juicy gains off the lows for any trader that did hold all day. We'll take a look at those charts in a moment. Early thoughts before the market even opens, we're zeroing in on some important things that are already going on in the pre-market activity. The right thing and the prudent thing to do is wait for the market to settle out, wait for them to open. There's no need to get right in the middle of traffic during the morning rush. Sometimes there is, but on a day like today, days like last week, let them settle out. Let them tell you what's going on. The market will paint the picture. Our objective, our job, is to decipher the picture the market is painting before it's done. As we move along, as the morning gets underway, we start identifying the numbers that appear obvious to the naked eye. Scrolling right along, and you'll notice the 1002 post Showtime at the gap. We were eyeballing a gap down below. They like to fill gaps. They love to fill gaps early in the morning. That generally is under normal garden variety market conditions where anything but normal, but under normal garden variety market conditions, they fill a gap, they bounce off it and go if they're bullish. So we're zeroing in on that. We know how to determine if the market is bullish or bearish. We don't want to see them hanging down around the gap for very long what gap are we talking about here's the spy 15 minute chart 
you can see the close of this candle happens to be 296.15. Therefore, it was a gap. It was filled. We want them to stay above the gap. We don't want them getting below and starting to close various time frame candles below that gap. We were zeroed in on that. They never did, and they took off. Back to inside the numbers, moving right along. The market doesn't make it easy as the day gets underway. As long as you have a read on the important numbers, you know where they're bullish, you know where the bulls are fumbling the ball, you know where the bears take control, and you know where the hourly closes need to be. Moving right along. If you're at all interested to follow the SPY, to follow the major market throughout the trading day, and why is that important? Because many of the stocks in and around throughout the market will follow the direction from a short-term perspective that the SPY or the major market is trending. So if we have a nice rally intraday, everything, it's a rising tide lifts all boats. If we have an intraday decline of any magnitude, a lot of the stocks get a quick sell-off. They have a quick dip. So it's functional. It's appropriate. It's necessary to understand where the major market is at all times. Moving right along. You can go ahead and stop and start the video as you see fit. How much you want to read is up to you. There is maybe one or two more things that I would like to point out as the morning closes out and we get into the afternoon session. Moving right along. We zeroed in on another important number, SPY 301.5. They played some games with that in the afternoon at the end of an hour. It was interesting to see it happen in real time. I think I put that in here somewhere. Scrolling up, it might be in the next post. There it is, 2.33, end of the hour, she closes at 3.01.51. Funny how that works, too. We see that all the time. We saw something like that earlier in the day. And then what happened was, right after the hour closed at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, they gave up the number and they started trading lower. They shook out the longs. Moving right along. Into the end of the day, what you'll notice is what we started to discuss was the fact, and we discussed it early in the day, and then we brought it back up in the afternoon, we started discussing the 200-period moving average on the daily chart. The daily chart I was referring to in the notes all day from inside the numbers was the futures chart, the ES chart. So we were focused on about 3056 that was to act magnetic. The closer price got to that price level, the more magnetic those type of important numbers become. The 200-period moving average on a daily chart, especially one that hasn't been visited in quite some time, is important. They're going to try and rally back to it. They rally back to it, and they close the day back above it. That leaves them in a bullish position. SPY chart, what does that mean? That means there's likely more upside coming. Where is the next major area of overhead resistance? Right around 312.50 in the type of volatile market that we have and the wide swings we have, we'll call it 312 to 313, give or take, something on either side. That's the general zone where the market wants to get to next. That will be another set of overhead resistance. How do you come up with that? Traders that have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader will understand and be able to recognize how to come up with that exact price area. It is garden variety. Remember, stocks on the move, 
American Airlines. Now, what we had today was a base hit, and we'll call it a double for United Airlines. Nothing tremendous, no big rocket rides, but what they were were stressless or stress-free trades that just basically grinded higher most of the day. That's fine. We'll take those. So if you look at this, there were two numbers on the board. And when they're close together, it's because I've identified two numbers close together. And I really just can't pinpoint which one is going to be the destination. So I give you both. You take half a position at the first price, half a position at the second price, or you wait to the second price. Trader's choice. You do whatever you like. These are the numbers. Treat them as you will. So just for argument's sake, let's say your entry was 1780-something. On average, finishing out the day up over a buck on a stock less than 20 bucks. That's about 5%. Pretty darn good. Similar situation with UAL. Two prices close together. We hit them both. The thing you have to notice is, and the thing you have to ask yourself, if you're not an Inside the Numbers member, how do you pinpoint these prices? The stock is falling... Who wants to catch a falling knife? Now, I've discussed this before. These are not falling knives. These are stocks headed to a destination. When they get to the destination, they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to stop and hang out for a while, or they're going to turn around and go back in the other direction. Now, what if they cut through it like a hot knife through butter? Then it wasn't the correct destination. 80-20 rule. The stocks on the move list has about a 79% success rate. Same as the 80-20 rule. Net-net, 80% of the time we get the destination right. We're not going to win every trade. That's impossible. But this is the deal. It's a good deal. So UAL finishes the day at 61 and a quarter off a 58.25 or 57.50 buy level. That's a double. Traders can choose to take profit at any point along the way. They can hold as long as they protect the remaining portion of the position. Sometimes you get an end-of-the-day ramp. We're throwing the ball around the horn. A question would come up, what happens if we have a gap down in the morning? What happens if, even with a positive day, even with a tremendous up day where the S&P was up well over 100 handles, what if we have a gap down in the morning? Where would they go? What's the line in the sand? What can we look at? Based on what's happening overnight and in the morning hours leading up to the opening bell, Inside the Numbers members will have precise numbers based on the market activity. First blush the night before, again, same 301.50. The problem is it's nowhere near current price. We can stretch it up to about 303, maybe 303 and a quarter. They have to stay above there. There's going to be some space if they want to have a little bit of a shakeout in the morning. Again, a shakeout, once upon a time, may have been 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 15 handles. Now, it could be 20, 30, 40, 50 handles in a flash. Just understand the market that's in front of us. It's an awareness. Look where the 200 period moving average is, down at 304.5. Can they come back to retest that? if they want to decline at the open. Of course they can. Why not? Can they stay bullish even if they do? Yes, they can. Before we move on, I just want to touch on market psychology just for a moment. Last week we talked about the news getting worse and worse and worse, and the worse the news got, the closer we would be to at least a short-term low. That turns out to be the case. It's always the case. The better the news gets, 
The closer we are to a high, the worse the news gets. The closer we are to a low, the pundits do it every single time. Now, what you'll notice is the rally in the market will actually drive the news. The pundits will look at the rally. Things to them at the time don't appear as bad. Therefore, there must be good news out there. There must be a rescue from the Fed, an antivirus coming. It's not spreading as far as we think it is. Obviously, I'm talking about the coronavirus. Whatever the news is, maybe the market was down because an extra handful of hedge funds blew up and had margin calls and they had to indiscriminately sell everything and that caused the market to go down another 4 or 5% than it should have. They'll come up with every story under the sun. I didn't watch a stitch of news today. My bet is they had some of those under their belt. How about Camp IWM? Now, we put up that number, 144.29. I think it was basically random. I'm not 100% sure, but I think at the time, we were just identifying the fact that they had to defend these lows below the 200-period moving average, or it was trouble. Well, guess what? They defended the lows in the IWM. And guess what? That's what they were supposed to do. It's not going to happen every time, and it didn't necessarily have to happen this time. But under normal garden variety market conditions, they were supposed to defend these lows, if not for even a temporary bounce. That's why we put the horizontal trend line there. Now, was it to the penny? No, we put it there as an idea of where those lows were. The fact that they hit it almost to the penny, funny how that works. There's damage done on these charts. We're having a dead cap bounce, a relief rally, Call it whatever you want. There's probably some more upside to be had. Doesn't necessarily mean the market will go up every day, but there's likely another leg down coming. However, we don't know whether it's coming at the end of this week or it's coming at the end of two or three weeks. So you let the market shake out a little bit. The market will draw the picture. We interpret the picture. The picture tells us what to do. That's the way this works. What's going on down at the transportation department was a little shaky today. They went down to test Friday's lows or came up short of Friday's lows, but they made a valiant effort to go down and test them. Then they finished near the highs. That's a positive day. It's a retest. It's two tail candles. It's positive for the transports. I'm not saying they're getting up to the moving averages anytime soon. What I'm saying is there's probably more in the tank. What would be a really nice, juicy rally, and where would the transports find major area of overhead resistance? Around 98.50, give or take. It's like 300, 350 points from where we are, or even 375 points if you're using current math. I get a mulligan. I have numbers running through my head that would boggle your mind. How about the XLF? What is the XLF telling us up 5% today? Well, we're going to go with an interpretation that sounds like this. Part of it was the market. Oversold, relief rally, dead cap bounce, all that stuff. We'll attribute somewhere in the neighborhood of half, maybe more than half of the rally to that. However, I'm going to attribute another portion of the rally to interest rates. And even though interest rates are in the basement, they're in the dumpster, we know the discussion, I haven't talked about it, but we know the discussion that's going on negative interest rates, all that stuff. Maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. 
But just like the market at the lows, when the news gets ultra, ultra bearish, same thing with interest rates. When they get ultra, ultra bearish in rates saying they're going to go negative, we're closer to a bounce than we're not. So what the financial stocks are telling us, if rates are going to go counter, meaning contrary to popular belief, contrarian, in the immediate term, go higher, not lower, the banks are signaling because the banks are a beneficiary of rising interest rates. Now, they're rising off the floor. That's not the point. It's the concept of the whole thing. If rates are on the way up, the banks would be a beneficiary as compared to where they were today or yesterday. That's the comparative. SMH, the proxy for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, it looks like all the other markets. Everything gets a bounce. A rising tide lifts all boats. So everything goes up. Financials, semis, everything across the board. We know all that. Here's a weekly chart of the financials. Now we're below the 20-week moving average, but you can see that they're probably going to rally right back to that and try and get back over it. As compared to the SPY chart, the semis are not as in bad of shape, really from a structural standpoint. You can see we were below the 50-period moving average on the weekly chart in the SPY. When you flip back over to the SMH, what you'll notice is we didn't even come into the 50 period moving average. They stayed above the weekly chart 50, above the breakout area, this area right here, which is also the 50 period moving average. So less damage done in the SMH chart. Is that a bullish sign? Maybe. It's definitely a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Doesn't change anything else we discussed. It's a puzzle piece and it's on the table. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and how without you these videos are not possible? Well, it's all true. This is a good opportunity to pull the ripcord here. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.